UFC 270 post fight thoughts. Dun, dun, dun. Hey guys, Fight Junkie here. As usual, before we jump into this next episode, I want to remind you guys you can hit me up on Twitter at FightJunkie.com. Follow me on Parlor at FightJunkie. Listen to me on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Apple, Amazon. Basically, anywhere you can find a podcast, I'll be there. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel. Oh, wait. Hold up. Scratch that. YouTube deleted my channel. Um, let me think. Okay. I got it. You can also subscribe to the Rumble channel. Rumble.com slash Fight Junkie. Want live stream? Twitch.tv slash Real Fight Junkie. Brandon Moreno. You lose. Sarah gone. You lose. Well, that sucked ass. As you can hear, both Moreno and gone came up short let's start with brandon the assassin baby moreno in my opinion that was a close fight i gotta address some nonsense straight out of the gate because there's always nonsense in this world some of these social media so-called experts out there with 49 46 scorecards for figgy is absolutely insane i don't care what you say how you say it however you want to spin it Neither of those fighters won that fight by a 49-46 scorecard. The justification here is they were close rounds. But what they don't tell you is they gave every single round, except for one, to Figueredo. Now you could say the same thing for Moreno then. The fight was close. They were close rounds, so I had it 49-46 Moreno. In either instance, you're wrong. I'm sorry. You're outright wrong. It drives me up the wall that people would sit there and say that people that had the fight scored close or even for Moreno didn't understand what they were watching. Yet you have the balls and the nerve and the gall to come out and say that Figgy won 49-46. Like, is this bizarre world we're in? You're literally calling people out for their view of the fight. But you're sitting there with your gigantic balls in your hand saying Figgy won 49-46. Yo, man, you can't make this stuff up. And these are the so-called experts, air quotes right there, experts that cover the sport with a 49-46. And then they all justify each other's scores by saying, well, he scored at 49-46 and I scored at 49-46. I don't give a rat's ass who scored that fight 49-46. You are wrong you will never ever ever make me believe that that fight was 49 46 for either guy now i know the people out there listening to this that think somehow i'm being biased because i picked moreno no i'm not if you want to make an argument that figgy won the fight no problemo whatsoever i just shut you down if you want to say figgy won the fight i'm cool with it no problem yes i was on moreno Yes, could he have lost the fight? Yes, can you say Figgy won the fight? Yes, 100%. No problem. It's the 49-46 is ludicrous. And it makes the fight seem so lopsided, even when you throw the little asterisk in there of 
they were close rounds. Close rounds that you couldn't seem to find to give to Moreno each and every round. I just don't see it. Personally, I'll tell you exactly what I think. So there's no dispute here about what I'm trying to say. 48, 47, either way is perfectly fine. If somebody came to me and said 48, 47, Figgy, no issues. 48, 47, Moreno, no issues. If you want to go draw, no issues. 49, 46, Moreno, who again, I picked to win the fight. I have an issue with that. If Moreno would have gotten a scorecard, from either the ringside media, the cage side media, or the official judges, 49-46, I would have came on here and I would have told you that Moreno did not win that fight by 49-46. Just like I'm sitting here telling you that these so-called experts who have been drinking a little something-something and smoking a little this and that are out of their minds if they think Figueredo won that fight 49-46. Didn't happen, won't happen. These guys can fight 10 times and you're not going to see a scorecard like that unless, I mean, something just insane happens because they're so closely matched. We mentioned this in the pre-fight podcast that even though like we liked Moreno, it was like, is he a little bit better than Figueredo? We never sat there and said he was just going to absolutely demolish him if Figueredo was trash and no, 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 no. It was always styles make fights. Maybe Moreno seems to have his number. He's able to hurt him on the feet again. He hurt him on the feet again. But I will say this. Figueredo, in my opinion, looked better than he did in any of the previous fights with Moreno. I think he adjusted well. I still think he is vulnerable on the feet with Moreno. Even though he was able to land some power shots on Brandon and put him down a couple of times in the fight, you could see that when Moreno hits him, he shakes him. He shook him. He hurts him. And he does this consistently. And Moreno and Figueredo knows this. This is why when you look at this fight and if you want to make a case for Moreno, you're going to do it off activity. Why? Because Figueredo knows when he opens up, Moreno tends the counter and he's vulnerable and he knows in his heart of hearts that Moreno can hurt him. This is why you saw him be very conservative with the punch stats. Now, I never go over those. I never use them to justify a win or use them when other people say this fight or loss. I don't do that because I don't believe they're accurate. But just watching the fight with your own eyes, you can see that Moreno was throwing more punches. Figueredo was relying more on the power. And even after the fight, Moreno's argument for the win was, well, I was landing more. It was my activity. And so if you're going to make a case for that, you can because he did throw more punches than Figueredo. Again, not enough to win 49-46, but maybe enough to get a draw, maybe enough to win 48-47 and retain his title. So these guys have fought three times now. The first fight was a draw. You could have given, given that to Moreno, 100%. It was that close. The second fight, Moreno dominated and, and submitted him. I believe it was the third round. The third fight is another very close fight, similar to the first fight, where you could have given, given the benefit of the doubt to the champion, Moreno, just like Figueredo got that benefit in the first fight, and given him a draw, or maybe a 48-47 win, and Moreno retains the title. Again, no real big issues to bitch and moan and complain about with Figueredo winning the fight. I just thought it was absurd that anybody in the so-called MMA media would even consider that fight a 49 
46 outcome. I think the judges actually got it right as far as round scoring goes. I believe all three of them were 48-47. Again, you can pick your guy that you want to get those scorecards. It is kind of a head scratcher that neither one of them got a split. So like if you're going on the Moreno side, you would think maybe Moreno 48-47 twice and then Figgy 48-47 once. Or on the flip side, you have Figueredo actually winning the fight 48-47 across all three scorecards when you would have thought maybe Moreno could have eked out at least at 48-47 on one of the judges' scorecards because in my opinion, that fight was really close and there was a lot of good things going on. I think you can make a case for either fighter in a close fight. Let me reiterate that close 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 not a lopsided win for either guy Cyril gone well that one was a little bit more interesting and if I'm being honest man I fell on my face on this one because I never ever ever predicted that Nganu would a be able to win a decision and b be able to do it with his wrestling not to mention after the pre-fight podcast we found out that Francis had injured knees. Now, we weren't sure, but the source was good. Posted in our Discord, posted on social media, said, hey, this is, the rumor is Francis has jacked up knees. So bad that it may require surgery. I mean, serious knee injury. Come to find out, after the fight, it was true. MCL and ACL. So, Francis is probably going to have to go under the knife. Who knows how long he's going to be out. That could be an issue. But that was after the pre-fight podcast, and we had already picked uh, Cyril Gaon to win. We liked him. We also said you could probably sprinkle a little something, something on Gaon by decision because he is, tends to fight as a point fighter, Wonder Boy style, and Ngannou has a very good chin. He's shown that throughout his history, and it would have been difficult for Gaon to stop him. Probably would have had to been in some type of grappling submission Otherwise, on the feet, it was going to be difficult. And he's not that type of fighter anyway. So we went over all this in the pre-fight podcast. What we didn't touch on was the fact that Francis, with his two bad knees. Again, we didn't know this going into the podcast. But I will say this. If we would have known going into the pre-fight podcast that Francis had a jacked up MCL and ACL, then we would have been even bigger on Cyril Gaon. Because how could you not be? Right? Like... If you're on Cyril Gaon because you think he's the better technical fighter, probably has the cardio edge, and Francis will be difficult and dangerous throughout, but he's not really a technical fighter. And if Gaon can continue to move as the rounds go on, he'll probably have the cardio advantage, and Ganu will slow down, then why wouldn't you think with two bad damn knees not being able to fully train and then coming into the fight injured and then competing in the fight with two bad knees that Cyril Gaon wouldn't have a huge advantage, you'd be out of your mind. So, I guess that was a good thing that we didn't know about that because we were already on Gaon, and then I would have been sitting there telling everyone, uh, you should really be looking at Cyril Gaon because Francis is injured, and how the hell he's going to catch up to Cyril Gaon when he can't move. Now, the prediction of Francis Ngannou coming out and taking Cyril Gaon down consistently enough to win the fight never even crossed my mind. I'm going to be real with you guys because I'm always real. Fell flat on my damn face when it came to that. To be fair, I don't think a lot of people thought that Francis would be able to do that. 
early on when it looked like he was trying to do that, he wasn't successful. So really there was no cause for concern and no real reason to factor that into the capping. But he proved everybody wrong. And when you factor in the brutal knee injuries, we're talking serious knee injuries here. We're not talking just a little sprain. If what they say is true and it's this bad of a knee injury, what he did tonight is impressive. Now, I didn't think the fight was entertaining. I said that after the fight. I didn't think when uh, Sarah Gon was winning rounds, it was entertaining because he's a point fighter. But I don't care if it's entertaining if you cash your ticket. So it was looking early on like it was going to be Sarah Gon by decision. It looked like it was going to play out exactly how we thought it would. And then Francis Ngannou flipped the script and he went to his wrestling. And the first few times, I wasn't really a cause for concern there. It looked like, yeah, you know, he, he's starting to tire. He probably wants to get close to Sarogon to slow the movement down. This is more of a stalling technique. But then he was able to do it again and again and again. And it then became worrisome because... Sarogon showed that he has absolutely nothing off of his back. And even though Francis Ngannou was doing jack shit on top, let's be real, he didn't do anything. I don't even know how many punches he landed throughout 3, 4, and 5 where he was taking Sarogon down. Uh, he really didn't do anything. But we know in modern MMA, if you're on your back, you're losing the round. That's just the way it is. So even though he wasn't doing anything, he wasn't causing any damage. There was no threat of submission. There was no threat of the fight being stopped. He was winning the rounds. And so you could see exactly what the game plan was. And you could see that Sarah Gon couldn't stop it. Then it became a problem. Then you knew there was an issue. Now, I think going into the last round, a lot of people thought it was closer than what the official judges had it. So if you thought it was closer than what the official judges had it, you were super duper pissed off when Sarah Gon had top position on Francis Ngannou and went for a damn leg lock and lost the position. Like, if this fight would have played out in the judges' scorecards like a lot of people thought it was, 2-2 going into the last round, Sarah Gon just threw the fight away with the lowest fight IQ I've seen in a long time by dropping back for a leg lock, giving up the position, and letting Francis ride out the, the round on top. I mean, you can't make this kind of stuff up. So there were a lot of situations in this fight that were very, very difficult to cap. And like I said, I really never factored in Ngannou, A, winning by decision and do, doing it via wrestling. Because, you know, looking at this fight in the in the pre-fight odds but before the fight took place, we were looking at Ngannou plus 9 to 18 to 1 by decision. And when you looked at that, it made sense. He finishes people. I believe he's finished everybody he's fought prior to Saragon. And you would say... How is he going to do this? The wrestling never factored in. So you couldn't say oh, he's going to take Saragon down or he's going to just hold him up against the cage. It was never a thought that literally crossed my mind. Like, I'm looking back at it and I still don't think, like, I don't see how I could have factored that in. So to say, well, Francis Ngannou can just outstrike Saragon. Well, if he's outstriking him and he's got to be landing punches, he's probably knocked him out. So there's not many people that are going to be able to stand in front of Francis Ngannou and take his shots for five rounds. I would have never predicted Sarah Gan could do that. The way that Sarah Gan would be able to go to a decision and win was to avoid those shots and have an inactive Francis Ngannou. And I think we saw shades of that 
in this fight when they were standing, Francis really did not let his hands go. And to be fair, he didn't let his hands go on the ground either. He won this fight 100% with lay and pray. And that is just not something prior to this fight that you could factor in. I mean, legitimately factor in as a as a path to victory for Francis Ngannou. It just shouldn't have happened. You know what's funny? Is when you look at this fight, stylistically, Sarah Gan presented a massive amount of trouble for Francis Ngannou. I think if you watch this fight, and early on, you saw that. Francis, with his wild punches, he missed a lot of punches. Yes, slow feet. We mentioned all of this in the pre-fight podcast. Then you factor in, Ngannou was coming in with injured knees that he busted out, I think it was three weeks ago. So whatever his training camp looked like that for almost a month, and then he's still injured coming into the fight, the stars were literally aligned for Saro Gan to become the new heavyweight champion of the world, and the dude screwed it up. Insanity. That's it for this episode of Fud Junkie. I will sock it to you tomorrow, baby. Fud Junkie out.